Right, we're back. Episode 72, and uh, this is the second go at this, I have to say. We had spent the best part of an hour and 20 minutes with satire last week, and there was I trying to get the bloody thing onto the social medias, and the whole thing just crashed. So we're having to do it again. So listen, um, Sam, great to have you on. Sam Dyer, for those of you who don't know, um, Sam Dyer, uh, Dundee University, engineer on the rigs for a little while uh, then heard some various stories from his mates on the rigs about property got inspired with the property side of things landed um, valuing farms we'll have a chat about that and then set up Dyer and Co property so interesting background uh, let's have a little bit more from from you Sam so let's take you back to the rigs um, I thought that was a great story um, and how you got inspired about property. Oh yeah, hello. Hi Jonathan. Hi everyone that's listening. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so the rigs, I guess, yeah, I'd got my degree. I got a graduate job as an engineer on the rigs, went out there and the ambition at the time, like most young men, was earn loads of money and oh great, I'm three weeks on, three weeks off three weeks off is fantastic um the novelty soon wears off um you realize that the, the time that you're on the rig is quite difficult um and when you are home uh everyone wants to see you at the weekend and during the week you're twiddling your thumbs uh -huh. nobody and, wants to play with you yeah pretty much and so coming from you, know, you go to university 18 ish and you know, you're still you're still a child at the end of the day um but when you come out the other end and you're working a bit, you realise that you're actually an adult. So, yeah, you've got to adjust to that. So anyway, I'm out on the rigs. Um, I'd, there's a combination of things. I'd heard people telling stories about, yeah, you work on the rigs for 10 years, earn loads of money, buy some properties, come back to the beach, as we call it, um, and get an, an ordinary job, but you've got enough properties there that top up your pension and you retire pretty sweet. So for that you're, sense, doing the, you're doing the property as a side hustle almost? Pr pretty much, yeah. I think for most people offshore, that's what they do. And they need, because of the money that people are on out there, they need to have quite a lot of properties. So it's usually just a top up um, <clears throat> for the pension pot that they've got. So I'm out on the rigs. Uh, I buy my first buy to let and just, you know, market value in the estate agent. Buy a, buy a two-bed flat in, in the town that I live in, which is Dunfermline. And, yeah, but that's how it began. And the plan was just keep working, keep saving up money, keep buying flats when I've got enough for a deposit. Um, what changed was, so I think the trigger point was, so my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, her sister lives quite close to us, and she'd had her first child. And <clears throat> we were quite involved and you're quite involved with, you know, with the family. And I had this sort of flash forward that if I kept up this lifestyle, I didn't want to basically be keeping up the lifestyle of being offshore and having a kid. So I thought, I need to change something. And I made a decision, right, screw the money. I need to get a job on the beach. Um, bearing in mind, you know, the guys that I was working with were miserable. Everyone's miserable out there. It's how many days till we're going home. It's depression about missing your daughter's birthday, your son's football game, you name it. 
So I just made the decision I need to get out. So I was racking my brains, what can I do? You know, I was good at maths at school. So I thought, oh, what about a maths teacher? And my wife was like, don't be daft. You've got to teach maths. You'd be horrendous at teaching anyone anything. And I says, yeah, you're probably right. And she said, also, you like to stretch your brain. You know, you'd like to stretch your brain in terms of maths. You wouldn't want to be teaching your know, higher maths over and over and over. And I says, that's right. Actually, that's right. And so there was various ideas. And we came back to the property thing. But I'd said to myself, I do not want to sell houses. I don't want to be an estate agent. But it was coming around to, well, with no skills or experience, you know, I kind of had to do something that had like entry-level jobs. And it was estate agent came more and more obvious, estate and letting agents. So I was put, so basically made up a CV, put the suit on, went into every estate and letting agent in Fife. And you just knocked, this is the great thing, you just knocked on the door and said, here's my CV. Um, and, and that's how you picked up the job. Pretty much, with the exception of, I know your move, for example, or a big, big corporate company, uh -huh. and they said, go on to um, whatever, your move careers and apply there, which I did. And they offered me a job in Falkirk, um, which I didn't take because it was like 12 grand plus commission on target, 16 to 18, which was like a third of what I was on at the time. Plus yeah. I had all the and I thought that's not worth it. I got another job offer from a letting agent in Kirkcaldy, which was a bit better. And, and then the third job offer I ended up with was with a chartered surveyor and state agent. And um, maybe I should add to that, they're an agricultural surveyor. So this is where the farm thing came in. So you, you that, never, you've not, I mean, when was it, before you got that job, had you ever set foot on a farm before? I had, yeah. I actually, oh, had. So you had some experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, although I'm um, in Dunfermline now, I've been here all my adult life since university. I actually grew up in Aberdeenshire, uh, just outside Stonehaven. All right. So farm side was kind of commonplace. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but in terms of, I'd never, you know, I didn't know anything. You know, <laughs> uh <-huh>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't know anything about the job. But what had appealed to me was a, they were offering me a bit more money, and b, it was something a little bit more interesting. This company, to put it put it bluntly, they they're agricultural surveyors. So one of the core pieces of work when they founded the business was valuing farms and land. Mm -hmm. And for example, like Scottish Power put electricity pylons up, they disrupt the farmland. Someone's got to value the land to make a claim against Scottish Power, so Scottish Power can pay the compensation. So you've got, got to go Scottish value it. In. Yeah, you've got Scottish water with the, the pipes you know, under the ground, you've got all sorts of things, um, and someone needs to value the land. So that's how we started out. And then they quickly realized, you know, you've got a pipeline or electricity pylons or roads. Roads was another common one that span miles and miles and miles. You can imagine how many farms that they go through. So the guy that's, that ran, ran the comp runs the company, he he knew every single farm in like Fife, Perthshire, Lothian's, you name a farm, you knew who owned it. So what that led to was the sales side. So he was selling farms, he was selling land. Then got into like the developer side. So like some, we were selling land to Miller Homes and Bellway. Because that is absolutely huge with the farmers. I mean, back in the day, um, in a previous life, I worked uh, as a solicitor and worked at a firm which was renowned for acting for builders. And the builders who used to buy the land 
the builders would build the houses and then we'd sell on the houses and do the legals on that. But the amount of times that the land was being purchased from farmers, I mean, it was just, it got to a stage yeah. where that's, everything was done from the farmers. And they're a tricky yeah. bunch to deal with the old farmers. Oh, exactly. Yeah, um, definitely tricky. So, yeah, there was a lot of you know, derelict farmsteading, so rife for development. So yeah. You've, yeah, you've got the big house builders, you've got the middlemen, you've got the small people. You've even got ordinary owner-occupiers buying single plots. So one of the other things they used to do, get a plot of land, divvy it up into three or four plots, sell the plots individually. Very, very hard work selling the plots. And when you look at the values of the plots, you're buying a 60-gram plot. The work involved is way more than selling a 60-gram flat, you know, residential market it's so simple to do that in comparison so <laughs> but it was very very interesting my passion's not in building houses and no. development so i love the experience i've got a lot of experience in the planning system mm -hmm. um and at the developing side uh, but it wasn't where i wanted to go so huge learning curve um wh when did you decide enough's enough i have to do something that i really want to do because clearly it wasn't what you were put on this planet to do. <laughs> well, so let's go slightly back to when I was on the rigs. I'd spent all my money and my brother had finished his degree and he's one of these academic straight A's type of guys. He went and worked for um, this engineering firm and he got secondment to Dubai. Went out to Dubai for 90 days on secondment, then got offered a full-time job and he was like 22, 23, something like that, and said, yeah, let's do it. So while he was out there, he obviously got, the, he got like a free place to live, and he was just stashing all this money in the bank. And I said to him, buy property. Okay, gave me the money, I went and spent it for him. And this is really where, this is the seed, I think, for, for Dyer and uh -huh. Kobe and Fox. So I went and bought my brother two flats, uh, and I was self-managing everything at the time. Didn't know what I know now. Um, but that's another story. So for a time frame then, when was it that you bought these two flats for your brother? Uh, 2015. Okay, right. Uh, 2015. And that's, I left the rigs September 2015. <clears throat> and then it was at that time when I was going into the estate agent, I was saying, well, I'm managing these. I, I've got, I hasten to add, there was, there was about 15 properties that this company were managing they weren't right. they weren't letting it they just had farmer contacts can you manage this cottage yeah and the guy that used to look after them had actually left and so when i came in i knew about uh, tenancy law i knew about this stuff and so i was kind of chucked these properties to manage right uh, i'm quite a, a technical attention to detail type person um so when i was self-managing my bible was the scots association of landlords and this document they've got that's got everything you need to know, everything you yeah, need to take. Great. But I knew, about, yeah, I knew about engineers' risk assessments. I knew about all these things I had to do. Um, so I was, I was quite clued up. I, I didn't have the experience though, but I kind of knew the laws. Um, so I was running these, and what happened? So the thing that made me tick from, so first of all, because I dropped my wages substantially, I'd kind of got used to a lower wage. Mm -hmm. To be fair, when I was working offshore, I hadn't adjusted to the lifestyle. I was still living at the same level as I was before. It was just all the surplus money was going into an investment pot. So coming off that salary wasn't as difficult as some might find it. 
And um, when I was, so my, the, the level of money I needed to basically walk wasn't that high. I think it was like 1100 quid was my target that I wanted to make a month. Um, so while I was working there, there was an opportunity where it was a friend of the family who's got property down south wanted to buy some stuff. And I was telling him about Dunfermline and I went and bought him a house and managed that. And that was a little bit different to my brother because it was a little bit more professional, but still like a friend it's of the family. It's not family for starters. Yeah, you got a friend, it was a friend of the family. And so that set a seed of, well, if I get more management contracts, I can get enough money to just do that full time. And how easy and then, did you actually find doing that? Did you, was it, were you concerned? Were you scared? Were you sort of flying by the seat of your pants? Excited, really excited. Yeah. But what funny is, see managing your own properties, doing the deals, you're basically in control. You're the buyer, you're making uh -huh. the decision. You're in control. As soon as you become an agent, you're effectively in business and you've got clients and there's a whole different level of difference there in that the you've got you're not just doing the job that you know how to do you also got to keep a client informed and provide a service so there's another is, layer isn't there there's another layer that, of information that you then yeah. have to disseminate to your client and my passion wasn't really in lettings my passion was in property investment but i had a bit of a misconception which Tracy, my diet and co-business partner, soon well, she laughed at me and says, really got it all wrong. This is how it really is. I thought that letting agents and landlords were virtually the same thing. And I thought, you know, I didn't realize, realize at that time that letting agents were a totally different breed to landlords. Yes, there's a crossover. Mm -hmm. And many, many letting agents out there that don't own investment property and they don't want to because it's the letting agency business that they're in. And that was, at the time, I didn't know that. So I went full speed ahead to getting management contracts and picked them up, Gumtree, Facebook. I got, the first one was, I want a flat in a block of 12, and it was another owner in the block, and I saw it on the market with Martin and Co. And I just had his contact details from a mutual repair that happened, and I just reached out and said, you know, um, can I have a go with it? So I, know, I could probably get you more than what they're getting, because I'm getting this from my flat. And that went well because the sort of guy that this landlord was, he was like, I like helping out the little guy and that sort of thing. We'll give you a go. You know, your flat's in the same block as mine. Why not? So that was the first one. And the second one was um, I was getting a reference and I was chatting to the landlord. And again, it was made a connection. And he said, yeah, I'll give you a go. And he'd had, he was at a point where, it was an interesting one. He was a living landlord who was becoming a buy-to-let landlord and he'd spoken to a few agents and he didn't get a good vibe, but he got a good vibe with me. So I got these two contracts and I was on yeah. my way. Um, that happened all quite quickly. And then there was a few months where nothing happened <laughs> when I was hitting the reality. And then I picked up a couple. I, mean, you know, I was networking. All, I was the doing while, all the while you're, you're doing your, your job with regards yeah. to the farmer and, and, and surveying these properties. So there yeah, must have was, come a point where you thought, you know what, and I, I, I've spoken to a lot of people who deal with side hustles and some of them just want to keep it as a side hustle and others want to try and ramp the side hustle up so that at some stage there's a tipping point and then you decide, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. So when did the tipping point happen? Yeah, so I'd kind of set up just as a landlord that, 
looked after other properties. So next came uh, logos, business cards, all that sort of stuff. So mm. all the money I was pay, paying for that. So technically, I started the business with no money because got the contracts and then the money paid for all these things. And then towards the end of 2016, things really kicked off and I was starting to build a presence online and I was trying to look like an established business. And there came a point where effectively I had to leave the, my job. It became a bit awkward. Um, were you doing, was it almost as if the phone was ringing and you didn't know whether it was a client of the, of the company or it was a client of yours? Uh, well, I was working at this company, obviously sitting at a desk with the yeah. phone in there. I was running my business off a mobile phone. So it was never, never that, yeah, I, I didn't have a or anything like that. I was working from home. Right. Um, they, might, is, they, must have, they must have thought you were a bit dodgy, like a burn, you had a burner phone or something. I don't know. I think, um, obviously, people that have met me, as you caught me, I'm about as, I'm really simple. It's what you see is what you get. Yeah, well, I don't talk a big game to win business. I'm very, I'm not one of these guys that's like, no nonsense, I see it as it is, but I'm just quite, I feel I'm quite you've genuine. Obviously, you've obviously got a bit yeah. up, a, a get up and go because there wouldn't have been too many people who would have done what you've decided to do, A, leave the rigs for a, a poorer job um, and then actually phone people up and almost cold call them to get business. I mean, that. do you think that's your, one of your biggest assets, the fact that, that you've got um, that drive? Probably. I'm definitely driven. I know that. Um, I like to achieve. Where does that come from? Um, my fa- I think my family, there's a lot of it in my family. Yeah. Um, my dad was, he was that generation, you know, blue chip companies. He worked for Shell for 34 years and just worked his way up the ladder, you yeah. know, pension, all that sort of. So his, his, he just got his pension, did a little bit of stocks and shares, and that was it. Property was way too risky for him. Mm-hmm. And obviously when he was sort of my age now and a bit younger, Property investment wasn't really a thing. You know, it was you know, when you had commercial loans, massive interest rates. There wasn't really, you know, and they, they say when the short-term tenancy came out in 1989, that was a massive swing in the pendulum from the tenant to the landlord because you had Section 21 notices. So he was sort of slightly before that. So property wasn't really a thing. Um, investment and then i guess it was only the early 90s because i think i bought my first flat and birmingham midshires were were just beginning to i think birmingham midshires back in the day were actually a normal standard mortgage and you could get a buy to let and you could also get a residential they're obviously now only um buy to let but it was only i think clydesdale bank who would lend me any money back in the day and then suddenly within a couple of years everybody was doing it Oh yeah, it was a buy-to-let boom in the 90s and yeah. um, there's loads of really good content about this. Anyone that's interested in that, you need to look up a guy called Christopher Watkin. He's like an estate and letting agent trainer, um, so to speak. But he does loads of blogging and stuff and he's got some really good bits about, um, he does this really good chart, like the last hundred years of, of property and you'll buy-to-let and he busts the myth that um, renting, you know, very, very, very briefly. I've seen those statistics. It's very, yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, like it's 1918, it's like 90% or something like that. Like don't quote me on this, but it's around about 90% of people privately rented. You then had um, social housing, which took some of the burden from private to social. 
home ownership slowly rose. You had more mortgages became a thing. People got a bit more money because obviously we came out of depression. You hit the 50s, massive council house buildings. You then hit the 80s, council houses get sold off. So the council houses decline. The private sector increases a little bit. So the private sector bottomed out there and it's now increasing and home ownership steadily rising. So you see all this stuff in the media at the moment saying, oh, it's absolutely mental. Private, if, if we keep going on this trend, the private rent sector is going to be 20%. This is absolutely terrible, blah, 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 blah. blah. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. It's no, it, it's not a new thing, you know, private renting. Yeah, home ownership still rising. Maybe as a percentage of overall, it's not. But yeah, Chris Watkins does loads of blogging on this, statistics. He busts the myth that getting on the property ladder is unaffordable. His, 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 his kind of punchline is, well, no, it's about choices. He said, back in the day, you either chose to have a flash life or you saved and you bought a house. He said, but nowadays, people of my generation and younger, so people in their 20s and 30s, it's about, well, I'd rather buy an iPhone X and go on holiday than save up for a house. And then they turn around and complain that they don't have the same opportunities. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. And, I completely you know, agree with you. Yeah. And, and here's, the, here's the best bet. You, you know, as a mortgage broker, you'll relate to this. Interest rates have never been lower. So the money is so cheap. And you've got schemes from the government. So he busts the myth. And he's, he's fantastic. I, I, love, I love his stuff. So. Well, you've, um, you've got at the moment, um, you've got the Lisa scheme that will give you 25%. If you're a first-time buyer, it'll give you 25%. Um, so the, there's no barriers to um, saving money. Uh, and I just, I can't understand this myth. It, it's, it's a mentality, for me, it's a mentality thing where kids are now almost sold that they don't have to save up anything because they can get everything on the tick. And as soon as so here's you start thinking you. that, then just uh, here's one for bonkers. I know firsthand of someone right now who's earning fifteen thousand pounds a year, and have just got the mortgage approved for um, their first property, which uh-huh. is a six a sixty grand property, a one bedroom flat, and they've got the mortgage approved. They earn fifteen grand a year, and I, I think they could have got a bit more money. So that there, fifteen grand a year, is not. A difficult that's round it's a little bit i think it's a little bit more than minimum wage if i'm right i think minimum wage if you and i'm guessing that they'll they'll be staying yeah. at home so they won't have any rent i can understand mm-hmm. if you're on 15 grand and you're renting then you know every pound's a prisoner but ultimately if you want something and you want it so badly you will make you will you will ensure that you get that by mm-hmm. making the the requirements i think i think you could argue as well 60 grand flats cheap and in chris watkins example he uses it's a town in kent and he uses a flat at about 150 grand but then he busts the myth using like figures and he takes like a pretty modest salary and it's like 20 grand 18 grand or something like that mm-hmm. um but it's not unrealistic for most people to get to 18 grand at some point in their life um but anyway we're going way off topic aren't we um where, where were we? Where we got to. So uh, you're doing the side hustle, getting the tipping point. Um, I was interested, obviously, you then decide to come out of the, the business and then start yourself. You mentioned social media. So what kind of things are you doing as far as social media is concerned? 
it was getting the brand awareness. It was sharing some of the stuff I was up to. To be honest, I can't fully remember, but uh, I'm not just a letting agent. You know, um, I, I'm buying properties myself. And also the, the portfolio building thing, the sourcing, whatever you want to call it, the seed was there. And it was round about this time. So I'd left, I'd left that job and it was it made easier because my wife was working uh-huh. and she had a salary and whatnot. So it made it a bit easier. So we're coming into 2017 now and I'd had a handful of contracts, 15 properties maybe, 10, no, I don't think as much as that. I think it was about 12, something like 10, 12. Um, and I really went for it in like the January to April. I, I took on a lot of property. I think I got up to about 30. There was just suddenly a boom. But I think it's because I'd freed up all this time. And what I was finding was you've got landlords already have properties, give you another one, or they buy another one. And that's one of the, that was one of the crucial things to the early growth. Because um, investors tend to have more than one property uh, and keep buying. So... This was all happening, and it was actually, I'm sure, I seem to recall it was about March time. I did my, was it March or was it April? March, April time. I did my first um, sort of portfolio winning purchase for a client. Mm -hmm. And it was in tandem with a mortgage brokerage I was working with who were going on a path where they were transitioning to being a buy-to-let specialist. And they basically pointed out, um, Sam, people people will pay you money to go and view properties for them, select them, and then they buy them. And he says, and you can manage them. He goes, there's your business. And I went, that's phenomenal. And so the first one, I think it concluded in June-ish, something like that. I think it was June 2016. And that was the first like proper client. Um, and I, I went sort of two-bed uh, semi. And was that somebody beef, who was um, local? Was that somebody who was local and known to you? How did you pick that particular client uh, they they were local and that they lived in Scotland, but they yeah. didn't. It was some. How did I pick? I think it was like someone who knew someone who knew me, and it was kind of a enough. I mean, I've got the process pretty nailed down and professional now. At the time, it was loads of conversations. It was I've got property here, and there was an element. There was like a a relationship formed, and there was an element of trust, and there were maybe probably it was. I brought them this two-bed semi-detached house. It was in immaculate condition. It was 75 grand. And I said, I could get um, 525 for that, your rental. Um, and they, they just said, yep. Yeah. And we went for it. They offered, I think it was a cash buy, actually. We bought that. We spent virtually nothing. It just needed, like, the ICR, the gas safety. Mm-hmm. Like, if I remember rightly, it was something like £830 they spent because I kept everything, all the records to a T. Um, so we got that rented in like five days or something ridiculous. I put it up for let. This is quite funny. This was a lesson that I learned. I put it up on Facebook, only Facebook, on like the wee page we had. Got bombarded of inquiries. I'd booked in a few, I think it was a few days after it settled. I'd booked in uh, like seven viewings back to back. And then I had like another three for the following Saturday. And there was one girl that was messaging me and she said, I really, really want this. You know, a landlord's selling up, blah, 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 blah. And it was a very similar house around the corner. You know, and she was desperate. Can I give you the deposit? This, this, and this. And she was giving me all this information. And I thought, this sounds fantastic. You know, landlord's selling up, legitimate reason to move. I can get uh-huh. a reference. 
And so I thought, okay, right. I said, right. I said, I'm getting the keys on Friday, whatever it was. Come and meet me there. So they met me there, and it was brilliant. It was her and her, her, her fiance, husband, and then like one kid. Um, and I said, it's great. And so I said, right, great. You can have it. So then I went and like cancelled all the other viewings, and I got this backlash. People going mental, saying I didn't get the option to give you a deposit. You know, um, it would have been nice for you to let me know. And the and dirty I was, on oh, me. Yeah, and I got this massive like. And this is all going back to your Facebook page again. Yeah, yeah you know, mess me. And then I basically wrote back and I says, right, I've been trying to posture as this like established agent on, on Facebook. And I just <laughs> messed back and said, like, I'm really sorry. I'm brand new to this. Um, I messed up. Just and then I, I think just that's, the, that's one of the most important yeah. things that if you do mess up, that you pull, push, you know, put both hands up and say, listen, guys, I've, I've messed up. Because I think if you try and, and squirm your way out of it, then it just makes the whole thing worse. And you might as well start keeping on digging. Well, funnily enough, the, the girl wrote back and said, she was quite nice about it and says, that's okay, I understand. Um, now, what's really funny, this tenant, you will not get this. Um, Fast forward about two years and I put a job advert up on Facebook. We needed uh, an agent in Fife because the business had grown. And this tenant tagged her mum in. And uh, her mum came for an interview with me and Tracy, although Tracy's the more got the people skills and the, you know, the staff and stuff. She's got loads of experience like having staff in the past. And we ended up hiring her. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and this tenant, yeah, this tenant's actually left now and bought her own house. But um, it's just funny how all these things are interconnected. And this this agent um, still working for us, and she's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd worked for Fife Council before in the benefits department, and so she had loads of experience dealing with some really tricky tenants. Yeah. So she's working for us with all these you know beautiful three bedroom houses, really well, nicely done up. And she thinks what we do is a breeze. <laughs> uh, but really, talk really, me, really. Talk to me about um, the platforms that you're on at the moment then. So f- you've talked about Facebook. What other platforms are you um, marketing through? Facebook and Gumtree. Okay. So Facebook, <laughs> talk to us how many, how many um, I presume that'll be a Facebook business page. And so how many followers have you got on that? At the time... Yeah. You mean back then? Yes, uh-huh, if you can remember. And then what have you got at the moment? Um, uh, probably a few hundred, but um, I think it's 1,700, 1,800. But see, with Facebook, the trick that I realized early on was not just post stuff on your page, post in the groups. So if you went to Facebook and type in, I don't know, five property to rent or houses for rent in Dunfermline or your lets in such and such area, there's so <laughs> many groups. Um, were you so posting on those groups? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so what were you actually, posting? Properties or were you posting other stuff? No, just the properties, yeah. yeah. So I actually set one up called Five Property to Rent, and I think it's about 3,500 members now. It's got like Dynacle's logo at the top. So that's still used. Uh, yeah. It's obviously been surpassed like Suzuki on the market. Uh-huh. Um, but there was one, the big one was private. Which had about members. Obviously, that people in the group and people joining, actually looking, you were hitting a market there. And I found Facebook to be really, really effective in the early days. Uh, and Gumtree was got quite a lot of leads. Gumtree's kind of gone down. Um, yeah. But now, yeah, we're on the, the normal portal. I, I think when you're in really small numbers and you've got 
some decent properties that you can give attention, yeah, you can get away with it. I mean, the, the properties I had were all stunning. Um, and there was an element of, it, it, you can get away with it. When you get bigger as an as a, a established lighting agency, you have to have the portals because you'll get trickier properties. You'll get, you, know, you just need to have an efficient system to get the job done because um, there's not enough hours in the day. So <clears throat> basically from there, the portfolio building just kicked off and that the business was mainly going to be, well, to, we sort of turned direction to let's target investors, spend the money, manage the houses. If we pick up management contracts in the process, great. And that was the business model. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're growing so quite quickly. From an income perspective yeah. then, you're getting a tickle when you are buying these properties because they're, they're, they're giving you, in essence, yep. a finder's fee, and then you're getting the management contract at, at 10 12%, whatever it is, on a, on a monthly basis. And that was, the, that was the income stream for you, or is the income and stream? That, yeah, and the idea was eventually I'd be able to make some money so I could go buy properties myself. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. The, the idea. And where are you um, with regards to that and your own property portfolio? So completely stalled because obviously I've got a brand new business. So I just parked it and thought, well, remake this work and then we can come back to that. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, thankfully that did happen and I came back to it and knowing what I know now, I can hit it way harder than I ever could have yeah. working offshore. Nothing to do with having more money, but just having Fine. knowledge and to do things a bit differently uh, and to your private investor finance, that sort of thing. Um there is a loads of stuff online about it. There's loads of nonsense. There's loads of noise, but it can be done. Um, and we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later in the call when we finish this story. Um, yeah. What was, what's the best piece of advice you could give somebody who's thinking of investing in property? Oh, right. First of all, I'm not qualified to give investment advice. However, well, I, I'm qualified. Um, I'm a registered letting agent through my company. I've got my ARLA qualification and I've also got my National Association of Estate Agents qualification, which is like the estate agent equivalent of lettings. So I've got qualifications to give you advice on lettings and buy to yeah. let, yeah. Uh, not investment advice. So someone who's looking to get into property, when I speak with an investor looking for a property, the first thing I ask them is, what are you looking to achieve? And what is the end goal? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the end goal? Yeah, you want to buy a property, but why? Uh, what, is there a money figure? Is there, you know, figure out that and then work back the way and say, okay, can I help you? And you have to be honest. I mean, I have to be honest with investors. Can I give you what you're after or can I not? So if someone looking to get into property, um, I guess <laughs> the business side of me is going to say, come speak to me. But I guess if you're really the, the proper answer is, you need to, I guess, do a bit of research and speak to people. Speak to people on the same path as you is a really good one. Um, sorry, you've just thrown this question out of nowhere, and I feel like I haven't prepared an answer. Um, I think knowledge is power, but for me, knowing what I know now, I think estate agents and letting agents are an absolute wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And but you're know, selling properties, estate agents can tell you what things sell for. I mean, some not all estate agents are good. Not all estate agents are bad, but if you get a good one, they will be able to honestly tell you, you know, about property markets and selling. And for letting agents, they can give you a really good, you know, this is what it'll rent for, but it's not just that. It's, well, it's all very fine and well saying you're going to get 500 a month for this. 
but what's your tenant demographic? How do you think it's going to turn over tenants? Is there any rental growth in that area? Because although you might purchase at a certain price and have a 500 rent, is it going to stay at 500 for 10 years or over 10 years, is it going to go up to 600? Yeah. I think that's really important. So I, I love that idea of the, of the plan. Um, it's something that when we're advising clients on, on the mortgage side of things, we say to them, listen, you need to have a plan because ultimately if you don't have a plan, you've got a moving target and you're never going to be able to hit a moving target, <coughs> at least if you've got a plan. And that's not to say that the plan can't, the plan can't change. You yep. know, if you've got a plan, you know, you'd be daft to think, well, that's it. And it's never going to change. <coughs> you have to have a written it down and B try to, to, to achieve that goal within the plan and then the other thing is obviously is the research you, you can't do enough research as far as uh the property so what i will say is there's that term paralysis analysis at some point you have to pull the trigger and yeah I think right my first buy to let wasn't great it wasn't completely terrible if i was to go back again would i buy it no but it's been a good property it's been hundred it's been occupied since the day i bought it um it's turned over tenants once one in one out and there's been a bit of rental growth it was 500 when i bought it it's 535 now uh capital growth has been virtually nothing but it's not bad what i will say though is sometimes it's best just to jump in and do a deal than to just sit and ponder it all the while but if you are going to do that go for something pretty bog standard pretty low risk pretty simple <laughs> so to put that into perspective i did exactly that when i first dipped my toes in aberdeen the Aberdeen market as an investor. Um, so we don't do lettings in Aberdeen, but me personally, I've bought a few things and I thought, well, what's bog standard and simple? A one bedroom flat in the center of a city um, in, a, in a nice area. Um, did a bit of asking about, you know, Rosemount was the area I bought the flat in. Yeah, you know, people like yeah. area, you know, people like to live there. So I bought a one bedroom flat, simple pimple, spoke to a couple of letting agents that'll rent any day of the week and I went and did it. It's not, it wasn't a fantastic property. It wasn't great. I was dipping my toes in a new market. I was establishing a new way of working and that I was giving the management to another agent. It wasn't my company. I was also, it was a, it's a market where you furnish your properties. I wasn't used to that. I dipped my toes in, got my head around it. And then the next deal was something a bit more complicated. So could I have spent my money more efficiently? Probably, yes. But for me, it was getting something nice and simple that'd be simple to exit as well if things didn't go well. So I think... You're absolutely right. Plan, research, but don't overplan. Just hit the trigger and do something simple and low risk. You're, you're never going to get. You're never yeah. going to get perfection. And there's that phrase that I love: is um, uh, perfection is the enemy of good. You know, yeah. You're never going to get and and tick all the boxes in every single situation. But James, the amount that you can learn by actually taking some action is just is just phenomenal. And, and that's obviously what you've done. I think where we're at now, we're at another crucial turning point. And um, when I met Tracy, so if I'd not partnered up with her, heaven knows what would have happened. Um, one of the big issues I was experiencing at this point in time was maintenance. So tenants report maintenance, mm -hmm. and it was trying to manage those errors. Uh, this is the sort of life I really, really do not like. Um, so it was starting to become, you were dealing more and more with it. And I'd experimented actually with a local um, sort of building company. I just wanted someone to sort it out for me. And it yeah. was kind of like I was sending 
sending them the jobs and they were doing them and sending the bills back. Um, but it, it was very, very difficult to get it to work right. And it was a bit more, I think they got a bit, they started taking, taking the mickey with the prices. And mm-hmm. anyway, so I got introduced to Tracy through a mutual contact. And Tracy had, long story short, Tracy's been in lettings for like 20 years. Um, you know, bought stuff, sold stuff, rented stuff. She got stuff herself. She had a lighting agency. But her key skill was maintenance. And what had happened, she'd built this company up, sold it to another big company, worked in that company for a while. So I think she was running about 650, 700 units at that point. So she's had that experience working in a big company. Yeah. And then she got out her maintenance company that was doing you know, maintenance for landlords and letting agents. So she had a couple of big letting agencies that were sending her maintenance work. She'd do the job like, as a project manager, I suppose. And, you know, whatnot. But what happened was people were coming back to her wanting, um, wanting to manage properties just because of her connections. And she lost one of the big contracts that she had. And she says, well, I've got a gap here. So she took on lettings again. So when I met her, she had about 30 properties. I had about 40, I think. And originally it was going to be, I'm going to source properties in Glasgow. Tracy's going to manage them. That was going to be a relationship. That was the idea. Well, what we quickly realized was, well, the skills are completely complementary. And over a period of time, we eventually just merged the two businesses. So now we've got a diary called Fife and we've got a diary called Glasgow. We had a couple of properties kicking about Falkirk area, which it kind of come about. I'd got offered some pretty good business and I took it. And so there was this gap in the middle. And so obviously over the years, we filled in that gap. And there's now it's like a Fife, a Dunfermline to Glasgow is our sort of... Corridor. Earth, yeah. Um, so when we first started working together, it was obviously finding our feet. It took a while to get you know, sort things out and figure out how it was going to work. So that was, was a whole a, journey. Was there a different? It, it can be difficult when you're trying to grow a business, uh, and even more difficult where there are different philosophies. Obviously, you have a philosophy, and Tracy will have had a philosophy. What What would your philosophy be, or is your philosophy with regards to? To your business have you got a motto an affirmation <clears throat> talk to me a little bit about that so well the tagline for the business is property management for property investors um, it used to be the letting agency for property investors ran by property investors which is a bloody mouthful <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't roll off the tongue too well does it <laughs> yeah. and also we felt that the term property management sounded better than letting agent and there's more of a corporate investee type feel to it and i'm just letting agent um nothing it's it's just how how we felt it sounded and also we wanted it shorter so that was kind that's kind of the core principle i mean we've we've done all we've done all these exercises on you know um uh systems procedures and all this sort of mindset stuff so we have got we wrote a document where we wrote down what does the business mean to us what's the business meant to mean what's the ideas behind it so with all the journey we went on what we established so the last year or so has been like just running at our we found our feet we're running at that level so where we are just now effectively i am the business development manager that's my role in the business I go out and find the work, I bring the clients on, I do all the compliance, and I also work with the investors and buy the properties. That's where my passion is. So that's what I do. But I've got sufficient knowledge about lettings to be able to bring them on and hand them over in a mm-hmm. fit state. 
And yeah. believe me, we've had people, sorcerers and stuff, bring us property and it's just been a nightmare because it's not right handled the all in a fit state. Uh-huh. Um, Tracy is operations manager. So what does that mean? Um, obviously, most of the staff report to her. And it's the move-ins, the move-outs, the inspections, the maintenance, the daily operations. And then the third part is our most senior employee who's the finance manager who did all the money and all the numbers. And there's an element of supervision there and a lot of experience that he's sharing with me and Tracy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very much, I know that I don't know everything. My finance manager will often tell me he thinks I'm making a wrong decision or if he thinks something can be done better, he'll speak up. That's That's a quality I really like and I'll take it on board. And it's the same with all the junior members of staff as well. And we encourage them to come up with things and they come up with ideas. And generally, you have some fantastic ideas and we'll implement them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the setup we're at now. I think um, some people think that actually starting a business is the hardest thing. But I think once you've actually started a business, the hardest thing is trying to grow the bloody thing. It is very, very difficult. So hats off to you that you've found a partner um, in Tracy um, and that you've got... Um, a similar ethos, which is fantastic, um, and you've got you know, really good disciplines that merge together to form a really good product. So that's it's really really encouraging. What are you working on at the moment? Anything in specific? So, so I've got my two obviously areas of business. I've got Dyer and Co. and I've got my own portfolio. Yeah. So first of all, Dyer and Co. Um, we've spent a lot of time sorting out systems, procedures, getting things running slick. Um, we're implementing like various tools and software to make things a bit smoother. Um, what am I working on with Dyer and Co? So right here, right now, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the portfolio buildings kind of slowed down. We had a few deals conclude. We're not obviously entering into any new purchases. So I've got a wee pool of investors who are anxious to buy. So I'm, I'm looking at opportunities. We're doing more sort of multi-unit purchases, so more portfolios now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I think that's the next step. You know, the first few years has just been buying single units, yeah. which is great, but it's very slow. But when you start, the business levels up, and we're speaking to wealthier people, we're managing more properties, buying portfolios makes more sense. So that's really the next thing for me. That's interesting. I mean, as, yeah, as a business, we're, we're adding to the stock. We, we've had a little bit of a purge. We've got rid of a lot of the straggly stuff that's either far away or just hassle. Yeah. Because uh, really, I'd rather... Me, personally, the last couple of years, I've really been able to stretch with my own purchases um, the relationships I've been building with the investors we're working with. So we're, ma- we're managing their properties we're building relationships, we're gaining trust. Some of these people have now turned into private investors, so they're lending pots of money at a fixed rate of return. Uh, and that's allowing me to do some projects, um, so buying properties, renovating, va- various complicated strategies, um, and just setups of deals. And I'm conscious of the time, um, and I appreciate that, 
Um, we've had two goals at this, uh, and every sort of five <laughs> minutes, I get this unstable um, <laughs> thing that comes onto my screen. Oh, so I'm really, yeah. very concerned oh, oh. that we actually get this finished and get this away. So I'm going to love you and leave you. Um, it's been great having a chat. Clearly, I think you've got the foundations in place for a really, really strong company. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more from you in the weeks, months and years ahead. Well, good stuff. I think we only covered like a tenth of what I had in my head today. But <laughs> so we'll have to get oh, you on. Oh. We'll have to get you on before too long. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Jonathan. And uh, yeah, well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you've made it this far, uh, congratulations. <laughs> All right. Catch you later. See you later.